Welcome to the One Right Church podcast, where we will discuss what it's like to believe that you attend the only right church. My name is Mark Shaw, and I spent the first 45 years of my life in the Followers of Christ Church in Oregon City, believing I was in the One Right Church. Our hope is that by simply sharing our story, that we would urge people to look to the Bible for answers instead of their religious traditions. We want to encourage people to trust in Jesus for their salvation and not in attending the One Right Church. Let's get started. Well, hey, Scott. Hi, Mark. Good to be back here. Yeah. Um, thought today we might talk about uh, something that I've mentioned before in previous podcasts. I've made the comment several times that when I came to faith in Jesus that the Bible was like a new book. The songs were like new songs. And mm. I, I thought it would probably be worthwhile to talk about um, reading your Bible and how the right way to do it, the wrong way to do it, and how that might have had some impact on why it was a new book for me. Well, I think, it's, yes, that's great. And I think it's important, though, because really everything we've talked about, you know, some way, in some way or other goes back to the Bible. We're really trying to understand the Bible for what it uh, says and then figure out what difference that makes to us. So even, I mean, so far, all the other podcasts we've done have assumed some understanding of the Bible or some approach to the Bible. So yeah, I think it's great that we talk about it. Yeah. Well, I I get the uh, not as fun part, I guess. I get to confess all the ways that I incorrectly read the Bible in my life. Would you? Surely surely the list is long, Mark. um, Yeah, the... The first thing I did was I read the Bible to prove what I already believed to be true. I wanted to prove myself right. So mm-hmm. I already had an idea of what I believed to be true and what I wanted to be true. And I read the Bible with me being the center and mm-hmm. reading the Bible that way. Well, reading it sort of like a textbook to find the right thing that supports your argument or your yeah. position. Yeah. And, and again, you know, we've said this before and I'll say it again, you're not the first person to do that. And I'm sure that followers are not the only uh, people who will do that. In fact, uh, that's very common and has been common for, um, I don't know, well, several hundred years, but even recently just in like a, the fundamental movement is a lot of the way that people approach the Bible there too. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, I think... It's a great confession, but you're not alone when you confess it. There you go. Well, let me give you an example of just what, how far off you can get when you do it this way. So we were, we were without ministry. We were without leadership. We were without um, an apostle, a preacher, an apostle mm-hmm. uh, for my whole life. So I assumed that that was okay, that but I wanted to know that that was okay. And I wanted the Bible to tell me that that was okay. And so I was looking and I found uh, this verse that says, this is in Philippians 2, verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, how did that prove you were right about anything? Well, Paul says that, in my head, Paul's saying there that you can work out your own salvation in my absence. So that meant 
I could work out my own salvation in Walter's absence. In, or the, the absence of a preacher. Or the absence of any preacher. So, so you said that in your head, mm-hmm. in your head, yeah. In, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you don't agree with that? Well, but. I just uh, want to place it squarely in your head. Yes. Yes, that's, in, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, anybody else out there thought that, but that, but, but that you, way of reading the Bible. Your approach to the Bible, yeah. that's, I think, what yes. you're trying to get at. Your that, approach to the Bible was to say, I have mm-hmm. a problem, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that I'm right about it, so let me go find something that's close to the problem and verify that I'm good. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you go to it to prove you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably not the best starting place. No, no. Okay. It's, um, the second thing that I did was I would read the Bible like a rule book. Like, how can I find the things that I need to do to behave in a way that will be pleasing to God? And I was looking to the Bible for the rules to do that. Mark, Mark, Mark. <laughs> you're again. You're not the only one. I wish you know. I wish you were. I wish we were talking about an isolated problem in just a few people. Yeah. This is something that everybody does. I yeah. mean, everybody has done this for my whole lifetime. Everyone I've known, and I'm 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 certain that especially if people grew up in conservative or legalistic situations, mm-hmm. they would say that. They approach the the Bible like a rule book, and now a rule book not so much as an umpire referee would read a rule book, but more like you would try and read the rule book to get um, you know to get the best advantage in your life, or maybe make you, you give yourself the best chance for God to bless you. Right, put yourself in the best position, and and I think that there it, there. Yeah, I, I have to say, I I was on the receiving end of a lot of teaching mm. that said that very thing. So, I mean, you didn't have teaching for it. So, in some respect, mm. it's not as not as bad for you as it was for me, <laughs> really, because I had people more or less teach me, if you approach it like a rule book, like if you do this, the rule is God will do that. Right. So, if you're good, God will bless you. If yeah. you do this a bad thing, God will somehow discipline you or afflict you or something. Yeah. And so there was just this, uh, you know, rule book, logic book, maybe if this, then that it was, it was to read it in a, yeah, in a way that somehow tried to decipher the, the mysteries maybe of how the world works and just make it as simple as it could be. Yeah. So you did all the right things and got all the right outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another way that I read it, incorrectly was kind of over-spiritualizing the Bible. And did I say correctly or incorrectly? Okay, I just want to make sure I read the Bible. Another way I read it incorrectly was over-spiritualizing it. So it would be incorrect to over-spiritualize. Yes, I want to be clear with that. To spiritualize, just plain old spiritualize, but not overly do it. Right, right. I That might be... Is that good? I don't know. Well, I'll give you it's an example. A word. Just, I'll give you an example, and you can decide if I over-spiritualized it. Um, I would be going through something, have a situation in my life, and I had heard stories of people, I opened my Bible today, and I opened it right up to exactly what I needed to hear. And I don't 
I don't recall a time where that ever happened for me, but I wanted that to happen. I wanted the Bible to work that way. I wanted to just have be able to open it up and put my finger somewhere and have that be exactly what I needed to hear that day. And so let me just say this. What would you say if I told you that happened to me just this morning? <laughs> Does that ruin the whole podcast here? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Maybe I'm under-spiritualizing it. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Didn't expect Tell that. Tell me about what happened Sorry to about you this that. morning. Uh, but I can't just let that go because the way you said that, I mean, that's exactly what happened to me. I was This morning I woke up early. I was... Uh, I kind of woke myself up and thought about something stressful and became anxious and couldn't go back to sleep. So I got up mm-hmm. really early and I just began to pray and kind of went through my morning uh, routine, which includes, you know, making my coffee and um, uh, reading my Bible. Well, I was, I mean, I was uh, anxious about things for the church, really. I mean, that was some of my anxiety. And I read in Revelation chapter one and Revelation chapter one is written for people who are anxious about the condition of the church. And it's written particularly for pastors and it gives this vision of Jesus who um, is amazing. He looks like the ancient of days. His face is glowing. His hair is white. His eyes are like flames of fire. A sword comes out of his mouth. He's got a gold belt on. His feet are bronze. I mean, he he means business. Right. And then it says he's, he walks among the lampstands. And the lampstands, it goes on to say, the lampstands are the churches. Mm. And he holds in his hands the st- seven stars, which are the messengers of the churches. And m- many, maybe most people believe that those are the pastors of the churches. Mm. And so here is in, in Revelation 1, as I read it this morning, after being anxious about, oh my, what's going to happen to the church? I have this picture of Jesus holding you know, the pastor, holding me, and just being right there in the middle of what's going on with mm-hmm. the churches. Yeah. So that did just happen to me. There you go. <clears throat> but I think I got there without making it you know, even shall I say, spiritual at all. I mean, I think that's what was actually there that then transferred directly to my situation. But I mean, sure, because I'm a pastor and because I was worried about the church this particular yeah. morning. So yeah. if I was worried about, you know, a war or something, maybe not so much. But Right. Well, if I'm combining it now with, because um, I, didn't, I didn't go through this list in order, and first I read it wrong this way for a while. And then I read it. I was doing all this stuff at the same time. Like I'm keep in mind when I'm opening the Bible to look for something, I already have what I want it to say mm. in mind. So I'm yeah. looking for something that just reassures me. And well, that I, was number one, right? Yeah, stuff, right? That, yeah. But it was what that there's a danger of though is now I'm looking for, this is the page I was supposed to read. So now I got to find something and then I've got to it's make gotta mean something to you. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. I mean, you're like the guy, you're like the guy who was told he's supposed to read his Bible and he goes to read his Bible and they say, well, how do I do it? And somebody said, well, just open it to wherever it opens and then read and you'll find something there. And so he, he opened it and he put his finger down and it said, and Judas went out and hanged himself. 
And the guy was like, oh dear, that's not, that's not what I had in mind at all. Closed his book, closed the book and said, uh, I, I'm going to try again, I guess. Opens it up, puts his finger on there again and says, go thou and do likewise. Right. right. And that means really that's the, the method leads to that kind of result. Now, just in case this is unclear, that is not our recommendation from this podcast that right. you go and do like Judas. Even so, though that just happened to you this morning, that you were able to a different spiritual application, yes, right? Yes. Um, but, but the whole idea of just opening it and hoping that God yeah. has a message for you directly—that um, right. Just be careful of that. Shall yes. we say that's just yeah. a word of warning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other side maybe of that coin or just a different way is being overly literal about what the Bible says. Okay. Like, um, there was a lot of uh, reference to if you remove, uh, I believe it is in Revelation, if you remove one jot or one tittle, I think, mm-hmm. that is the KJV. Right. And and that was uh, that led to believing that you can't read even another translation, like that that that's removing it because it doesn't have oh, the same well, English words. That's in true. It, the jots and tittles are a little different than a different version. Yeah. So, um, you know, we didn't know, I, I didn't know anything about original language or I, I would have had no mm-hmm. idea it was written in Greek or, you know, and it's written in 1611. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> that's when the King James was in 1611. So there was, there was a very literal, reading of it too. Mm-hmm. And um, that's probably what leads to the practice of the Holy Kiss still mm-hmm. being at followers and things like that. So that was another way. Um, well, and again, I mean, not, I, I, I do think that there are other, m- many people are overly literal in the mm-hmm. way they read the Bible. Yeah. And they, they get you know nervous about the wrong things. And some of those are uh, big and some of them are small, like maybe the Holy Kiss. That and but many people like I'm glad you picked that one because mm-hmm. many people will relax that um, maybe relax that standard right. <laughs> to be right. really literal when it comes to something like the Holy Kiss. Like, well, we don't may not want to do that, so that's probably not what he meant, right? And they'll just relax it like that, not really having a reason, mm-hmm. but I have to respect the fact even that um, the followers said no. I mean, if it says that and we're going to, this is the way we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Yeah. And to not um, compromise just because you don't know why you do right. it maybe. Right. But th- there's there's also... There's not knowing why you would compromise on it. And then there's also not knowing why you wouldn't. Why you don't compromise. Why you don't right. compromise on it. Because like we've talked about on here before, the Bible also says that if there are any sick among you to call on the elders of the church. Well, mm-hmm. they don't have elders in the church, so they're kind of forced to relax on that one. Oh. and mm-hmm. But how do you, if you're being so literal with your reading of it, it's... Uh, it's a problem, I guess. It's an inconsistency. Yeah. And uh, the, the other thing that I thought of as an example is just recently I learned that there are kind of different styles of writing in the Bible and different ways of reading it. Like the book of Acts, I, I was told 
okay. not that long ago that it was it was written more descriptively instead of prescriptively. And so just okay. describing the events that happened instead of saying this is how all these things need to happen instead moving of forward. Prescribing like a yeah. prescription. You're not giving a prescription for action, but a description of what did happen. Yes. Yeah. So that can change uh, the way you understand the Bible for sure. Mm-hmm. If you if you know some What's of it written things. for? I mean, some of the things in like the letters are written to prescribe. Yeah. You know, to prescribe prayer or to prescribe living with humility or to prescribe, you know, some other showing hospitality maybe. Right. And that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. In Acts, it's history and you just see people do it. Yeah. And you can draw some conclusion from there, but not the same level as if it's prescribed. Right. Right. Good. No, that's yeah. uh, that, that's a helpful that's a helpful thing to guide us and keep us from being overly literal. Yeah. At least in the book of Acts. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I think what I learned was probably my biggest mistake in the way I read the Bible incorrectly was I did not read the Bible looking for Jesus. I I was not trying to learn about Jesus while I was reading the Bible. I was learning what does this mean to me? What do I do with this? Mm-hmm. And it I somehow miss Jesus in the Bible. For shame. <laughs> Well, I say for shame, obviously, you know, as a joke, because so many people miss Jesus in the Bible. Yeah. They don't, they, they read it for, again, they just, they do the same skip through that you do to say, how can I get something for me today and get it as fast as I can and get out? And so they, getting something for me today, like how to treat my wife or how to, um, uh, do better at work or whatever I'm going to look for, I'm going to miss Jesus. Yeah. And, and I do that too. And other people do that too. It's, I mean, yeah. again, it's not, I, I think it is important, especially when you get to this, to the talk about the Bible to, to say that this is not, you know, the only people who really mess the Bible up are at the followers of Christ church. It's not no. even close. I mean, right. every single one of these that you describe, I have seen, I mean, I, I still see these on a daily, a weekly, if not daily basis. Yeah. I mean, this is very, very common. Well, yeah, we talked about it not that long ago. This is a human condition. It's not just a followers of Christ church yes. condition. So, and, and consequently, you know, I feel good talking about reading the Bible because I want everybody yeah. to be able to read it and get something out of it. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. just exactly what you hope to do too. Yeah. Which, you know, at the start, but I think there are some ways to... Um, to do it that will, and you know, get you really something that has more substance to it than just opening it and hoping for the best. Right, right. I I'm going to confess one more thing here. We uh, early on when we first came to faith and we were looking uh, for a new Bible or whatever, and we found no. A friend gave it to us. That's what it was. A friend gave Cindy and I a Jesus storybook Bible mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. I'd, I'd never seen that before. Okay. Um, and when I started reading the stories where this, this book tied mm. Jesus into the Old Testament with 
Noah and the ark, with Abraham, with all these things all the way through the Old Testament, I was blown away that mm-hmm. even in the Old Testament, it's the whole thing is about Jesus. But I found a way to read it without looking for him. When you don't have eyes to see, you don't see him. And well, again, yes, you don't. You're right, yeah. you don't. But neither did the disciples. Right. I mean, okay. you've got the people who'd spent three years straight up with Jesus every single day till they were tired of each other and on each other's nerves, and Jesus is crucified. They did not see that coming, even though uh, they should have. He rose again. They did not see that coming. And he's there appearing before them, and it says he opened their eyes that they might understand uh, from all the scriptures the things yeah. concerning him. Yeah. And he opened Moses and the law and the prophets. This is Luke 24. And it's, uh, I mean, Jesus thought the Old Testament was about him, but the other, but the other people, even who'd spent three years with him, right. didn't, didn't see it that way. So yeah. you're in good company anyway. Yeah. <laughs> good company. It's always good to be in good company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we've talked about all the ways that I read the Bible wrong, and I apparently am not alone on that, but we probably should talk some about how do we read it? How, what is the right way to read the Bible? So, okay, that, that's a good question. <laughs> and, I, and I think even in the question, you assume something, and that is okay. that people are going to read it. So the very first thing I would say is read it. And um, if you don't read it, if you go in just searching you know, blindly for some verse and close your eyes and point, and that's not reading. That's right. you know, hunting. That's expecting some kind of magic. But if you read right. it, I mean, you read the, the, the Gospels as the story of Christ. You read the Acts as history and the epistles as letters to churches. And you read um, the Old Testament narrative or the prophecies or the poetry. And you just read them, you'll, you know, you'll get a lot more. Like this is a, you know, there's more there than just something for you today. Right. So read it. Right. That would be the first thing I'd say. Yeah, there's really no... There's really no other book where you would expect to just open it and point to something on a page and think that you understand that Try book that with Moby Dick, that. and yeah. you're not going to have yeah. the best experience, I'm just going to say. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, for me, the there was some fear when I started really reading the Bible, when it, when it did seem like a new book to me, when I felt like I understood it. I was for the first time I was coming from a place of humility because I mm. didn't think I already had the answers and was just wanting the Bible to reinforce my thoughts. I was genuinely wanting to know what does God's word say? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it takes a lot of prayer for that too. I mean, um, we were, we were told, um, how, Maybe it's not fair to say we were told. I came to understand mm. that we couldn't really understand the Bible without an apostle to teach us what it said. And so it was intimidating to to read it. And so I kind of, that humility came, some of it came from fear. Like if I get this wrong, uh, it could be disastrous. And so there was a lot of prayer involved and praying for understanding. James says that if you lack wisdom, ask God for it. Um, there are, I, I was just 
getting ready for a class on Sunday, and Paul writes to to Timothy in Second Timothy and gives him this metaphor about the the good soldier and the athlete and the farmer, and then he says, "Think over what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things." And so, there's part of it that is prayer. There's part of it that is you do have the ability with God's help in your mind to think over what he says and come to a conclusion if you're in a place of humility, I think that will be good. Yeah. I, I I love that you, you bring up humility because you're not going with the answer. You might be going for the answer, right? You might uh, recognize I need to hear what God has to say. um, Not start with what, you know, does he say to me as though I'm the center, but what does he have to say and how do I adjust to what he has to say? Mm-hmm. John uh, 14, 26, Jesus um, promises them. He said, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said. Mm-hmm. And you said, we have help. Yes, we do have help. And it's the very help that um, the, the father sends. We call him the Holy Spirit. And that's what he loves to do is help you read your Bible. So that's, uh, yes, read it with humility, pray for understanding. And God has provided what you need to understand it, namely the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And then probably the most important thing is to, like that scripture you brought up where Jesus says that all the scriptures are about Mm -hmm. him. I think the most important thing is to, read your Bible to strengthen, to build, to start your relationship with Jesus, to to learn about him, to see what God says about his son. And I think that's probably the number one thing uh, to be looking for Jesus when you read. Well see I think I think you you just betrayed and mm. one of your assumptions, okay? Namely, that the Christian life is a life of faith in Jesus. Mm. The Christian life is not a life of um, performance. It's not a life of trying to be a good person or trying harder or somehow living to please God. It's a a life of faith. Mm. And so what you're trying to do when you're reading the Bible is to build that faith or to, you might say, to give reason to believe. Mm. to get to know God so that the better you know him, the more you'll trust him. And those kinds of things, that's what you're trying to do when you're reading the Bible. Uh, We read it as a kind of a performance manual. See, how can I perform better? And, and see that some of that comes from the assumption that you begin the Christian life by faith. So what are you going to do? How are you going to go to heaven? Well, God loved the world and, God so loved the world that he gave his um, only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, oh, I want eternal life. What do I need to do? I need to believe. Whew, good, I got that over with. Right. Now I better get busy. Okay, yeah. that, that assumption about the Christian life is there all, of, you know, all over the place too. What you just uh, you know, displayed or you just tipped your hand to say the Christian life really is, yes, it does start that way, you know, that uh, I do believe and yeah. when I do, I have eternal life, just like John three sixteen says. But then in the same way, I mean, Colossians 2, 6 through 7 says, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, how's that? By faith. Mm-hmm. So walk in him. 
So every day you walk by faith. Well, that means that what you're doing in the Bible is looking for reasons to trust Jesus. And yeah. so when you when you talk like that, I mean, first of all, I think you're completely right, but I just wanted to like pull that apart so that we could see the inner workings of the assumption that you just make yeah. it such a good assumption. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's good. It, it reminds me, the, the difference reminds me of uh, Matthew 7 when Jesus says, many will come to me on that day saying, Lord, Lord. Those would be people reading their Bible to figure out Maybe even how to please God or what, mm-hmm. how to live their life. Maybe in some of the incorrect ways that I've even done, but it's Jesus' response is, "I will say to them, I never knew you." It, it's about knowing Jesus and being mm-hmm. in a relationship with Jesus. So yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. So I think I think that's great advice to read yeah. your Bible, learn about Jesus. You read about David, for instance, to read mm-hmm. it to learn about Jesus. You read about Moses to learn about Jesus. And, you know, whatever history you get from Egypt or um, ancient Israel or, you know, monarchy or whatever, all of that's secondary so that it points you to Jesus. So, good. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, so practically, how can we help people do that? How can we help people? How would you give them pointers in a way to read their Bible? How would you say to do that? Well, I, I would probably keep it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing, and, and this is where most, again, none of these are special problems. This, everyone runs into the same problems. So I would just say simply, um, pay attention to what's there. Uh, and the better attention you pay, the, the better you'll understand what's, what God's saying. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, you pay attention, for instance, to the words. Um, you know, people are going to hate this probably. What are the verbs? What are the nouns? Um, what are the, what's repeated? What, what kinds of things are there? And, uh, and just slow down and notice it. Um, and that's, that's the first thing is I think that, uh, if you notice those things, that will help you a lot. Number one, because the words are not overly spiritual, Right, I mean, the words are the words. What's actually there? So the the next thing then is to is to um, put those words together and follow the sentences, and make sure that you understand. Um, and and th- this my assumptions will become clear too here. In uh, that is that um, you are reading this to understand what is there. I am not reading this to understand how it applies to me yet. I want to make sure that I understand what is there and what they, um, what the author meant by what the author said. Uh, and, and that, and so this is, <clears throat> this is a rule for any communication. This isn't a rule. This isn't a Bible reading rule. Okay. This, if I, you're going to give practical tips, this is practical tips for talking with your wife. Hmm. Okay, or yeah. understanding your kids. And that is, listen to their words, listen to their sentences, pay attention to their tone of voice. What um, your job as the person on the receiving end of the communication is to get as close as possible to what that person intended to send to you. Mm. So if you, if you can um, um, get what they intended to send 
then you're going then there will have been communication right if you somehow read into it differently but that, this happens all the time again <laughs> i mean and uh you know for instance i might say to my wife oh can because of course i'm wonderful like this can i do the dishes what i want her to understand okay she's going to try to i didn't i wasn't a very good communicator I, I wanted to communicate. I love you. I want to help you. I want to make your life easy. Thank you for making the wonderful meal. Let me clean up. Right. Okay. If she hears that, we've communicated. If she hears, oh, he's critical of how, of how dirty the kitchen is and thinks I need to get with the program and he's just going to swoop in there and do it because I'm not doing a good enough job. That's a way different communication than I intended to send. And so, um, but that's over-spiritualizing, that's over-literalizing, taking yep. the words apart from the, the meanings. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do with any communication is put those, the words and the meanings together so that what the author meant or what the speaker means to, you know, what they say, actually say, we need to try to do our best to understand what they actually meant. And so we do that words and sentences. We do that by, you know, learning... Uh, the the situations or the context that the book or the verse was written in was it addressing a problem? Um, <clears throat> you know, for instance, the one you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, obey in my presence, now much more in my absence. I mean, their travel was hard in the first century, and they he couldn't be everywhere at once. He's writing a bunch of churches, and so he's basically just saying, you know, here you you guys did pretty well when I was there you don't change when I'm, right. when I'm gone, um, you know, keep, keep on keeping on. And so that's what he meant to say for you to grab it and make it say something different. So a little bit of a challenge because you're trying to get as close to, you know, what he meant and you have to know like what was happening. sort of the, the context of the writer, the context of the first century, what were the things that they, um, meant? I mean, I had a, I had the privilege just, a couple months ago to going mm-hmm. to uh, Greece and Turkey and seeing some of these things where you read the new Testament, it talks about meat offered to idols. And I just would all my life say, I don't have that problem. And right. thankfully I don't have that problem. Right. So, so what kind of problem was that? This is the way I, this is the way I understand these things and figure out what was there and what the author meant to communicate. And I say, okay, what kind of problem was that? Well, that was a problem where they felt some external pressure to conform when uh, this the only meat that was available to them had previously been associated with something that was diametrically opposed to the risen Jesus. Right. Now, can I enjoy that with a free conscience or not was the question. Now, I have some things like that too, right? There are yeah. some things in, in our world that are, I know are opposed to Jesus, and I know that uh, don't count. And so I've got to, I, I don't take those words and, oh, I'm not eating meat off for idols. I'm good. I right. say, do I have a problem that's like that? And if I do, how does the, the way that they solve the problem inform the way that I solve the problem? And so I, I, I just kind of go the stepwise thing. I understand the words. I understand the sentences. I understand the context. I, that helps me figure out what did he intend to say to the original audience. So they were to, they were definitely to hear about meat offered to idols. Yeah. And yeah. so then I've got to say, okay, 
I don't have a meat aphrodite problem. Do I have a similar problem? And the closer I have it, like the one I mentioned this morning, it was very close. Mm-hmm. I mentioned I had, I'm a pastor and I had a pastor problem and the Bible talked about a pastor problem and that was super, super easy. Yeah. And so it wasn't overly spiritual because it went straight across. Right. But if I, you know, if it was meat offered idols or something that I have to work a little harder to connect my situation to the situation that they had and then draw the conclusion from there. Yeah. Yeah. Then that, then and only then right. can I get to what does it mean to me? Right. And it won't mean anything to me that it didn't first mean to them. Right. And that I think is the key. So it didn't, you know, if you, um, is it okay if we don't have an apostle? Well, that's not what that meant to them. So it's not what it right. would mean to you. And there's a hundred other things, you know, and in some of them, um, you have to say, you know, maybe it's uh, about kissing. Right. We right? created one another with a holy kiss. That seems straight up enough, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, that's not something that people normally do here. They do it on the other side of the world. Yeah. And it, you know, it makes me nervous when I'm around them. Um, you know, because we don't do it here. Because we don't do it here. Yeah. And so I have to say, if the, the people that I'm around will not understand that gesture, is, again, thinking, what, what was he trying to get them to do? He, he really didn't care as much about the kiss as he did about the warmth of their relationship and their fellowship. How can I express that yeah. when I'm with, you know, the uh, other brothers or something. So anyway, I mean, that'd be the way that I would deal with some of those kinds of things. And, um, you have to kind of really figure out what's he talking about there. Um, then what does it mean to me? And then what does it have to do with Jesus? Yeah. Um, and so you don't want to get very far from the, what does it mean to Jesus? What does it mean about Jesus? So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we say that in the intro to this podcast even, that that's the point of this, is that we want uh, people to see that the Bible teaches us to trust in Jesus for their salvation and not in any religious group or organization. Mm-hmm. So um, the the hymn I thought we would talk about is uh, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And it says, Tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word, Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings to earth. Um, this, it, it goes through what the Bible tells. It goes through the life of Jesus. And right mm-hmm. on my heart, every word, I think, is a, a good reference to mm-hmm. That's done by reading God's word. That's done. It's done by the Holy Spirit. But it's um, that reading your Bible it, from a point of humility, looking for Jesus, is going to be. It's it's going to be better. It, it's going to yeah. help you with that. And that's a prayer. That's a prayer yeah. to the Holy Spirit. You know, right on my heart, every word. Yeah. So you're really trying to get at what. Was it talking about, <laughs> what's it mean? Yeah. And then after I understand that, what's it mean to me? So, yeah. And um, help me get Jesus out of it. So, yeah. Good. Well, thanks for 
talking about that with me. Yeah, I think that's really important, and it's uh, yeah important to everybody, you know, uh, no matter what their history is. Yeah, I agree. Well, hopefully this has been helpful. If you have questions or comments or a topic that you would like us to cover, you can reach us at comments at onerightchurch.com. And for more information, you can visit our website, www.onerightchurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.